Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. As you well know, life is full of disruptions. As a country, we periodically experience national disruptions. As individuals, we experience them as well. It's probably fair to say no individual disruption is as great as when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. At that time, their whole world and the world around them changes. That is because it is the result of God's powerful invasion into your life. It's truly an experience of the miraculous. Has that happened to you yet? Today, we see what that looked like in the life of one man and the ripple effect it had. Here's Pastor Jim in part one of his message, A Major Disruption. Well, it seems to me that about every five to 15 years, our country goes into some major type of crisis. Seems to be the same for people too. About every five to 15 years, you have something major occur in your life. Now, I know some of you are going to say, not my life, Pastor Jim, it's every day. I understand that for, for some of us, but I'm, I'm talking in general. There's always some, the title of our message, major disruption, a major disruption. Perhaps the greatest disruption of all is when someone comes to faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and their world is turned upside down, or perhaps more appropriately, from heaven's point of view, their world is turned right side up. Uh, If you're here with us today, or you're watching us online, and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad that you're here. And and this is, I think, a a really wonderful message for you to hear. We call this, when, when somebody comes to faith in Jesus, and their world is kind of turned upside down or right side up, we call this conversion. It is an absolute miracle. It is, if you will, a spiritual resurrection as a result of God's powerful invasion in someone's life. Now, some of you were raised in the faith, but others of you were not. And if you came to Christ later in life, as I did, it it seems to come out of nowhere. As God brings people into your life that that you're like, well, who is this person? And why are the things that they're saying to me resonating with me so? And then sure enough, you might come to faith and there's been people that have been telling you all along. You're like, I met this guy. You're not gonna believe what he told me. And inside that you're going, I've been telling you that for 20 years. It's just when that different voice, that different person, God's right timing comes into your life, sort of everything comes together. And conversion also encourages us that God can change anyone. Daniel chapter 4 is going to be the last time that we meet King Nebuchadnezzar. And each chapter so far, although I would maintain each chapter has one major theme, we've also been looking at some of the sub-themes as we've been talking about living in a new world and, and how we are to think from where we have come from and where we are going towards as a church and as as a Christian community. And now Bible scholars debate, is Nebuchadnezzar really converted? If not, I would still say this is one of the 
biggest massive disruptions in all of the scriptures. I was, I was sitting jotting on a legal pad this week all of the, the dis, major disruptions that I think of in the Bible. I would put this at number three. Number three. Number two, I would put as when Jonah went to Nineveh. He gives the worst sermon in the world, the absolute worst. He, he runs away from God. He doesn't want to go there. He gives the worst sermon in the world. Hey, he goes, he goes, hey, listen, if you don't repent in 40 days, God's going to judge this place. And inside he's going, and I hope he does. And the whole place comes to Christ. The whole place comes to God. They're all become Yahweh worshipers. Then you got jokers like me who spend half the week preparing and hoping that everybody comes to Christ, and you're like, come on now, God, give me just Jonah one Sunday, would you please? I put number one as comes into the New Testament, and it is the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, the man who hated the church, hated Christians, hated Christ, and he meets the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, and he changes the world like no other man because of what God had done in his life. Here in Daniel chapter four, God invades the life of the most powerful person in the world. Next week, we're going to see how God invades governments. Like most people who experience a a major disruption in their life that comes from God, it's been a journey. And if that's you, it's not a pretty one, is it? It, it, it usually, it, it's quite ugly along the way. In chapter one, which is about 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar and his world superpower army has just conquered the Egyptians at Carchemish and sort of on the way home, they're like, hey, let's stop in Jerusalem. That little tiny blip on the map and, and let's really take those people to task. They had been warned in Jerusalem for over a hundred years that you had wandered far from God and God and Isaiah had told them over 100 years earlier, the Babylonians are gonna come if you don't change your ways and they didn't change their ways. And there was three invasions and the first invasion comes and Nebuchadnezzar takes captives back to Babylon, including a young man, a young teenager by the name of Daniel and his three teenage friends. Nebuchadnezzar, a brutal man, really just sort of wiping everybody out all along the way. Little does this pagan king know that this little tiny nation, there was something special about this little tiny nation. He's probably thinking like, why is it taking us so long to to beat them? And four teenagers are gonna be used by God to break him. Remember, I said it's unlikely people that pop into our lives that often are the people that God will use. And God wants to use you in this season as that unlikely person. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe that unlikely person has brought you here or gave you this video or gave you a CD or told you to listen to this on the radio. But if you are a follower of Jesus... This is the season where God is looking for unlikely, faithful people to tell them about how great this God is. 
In chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar had a, had a dream. Daniel and his friends uh, had prayed and, and, and they interpreted it. And we read in chapter two, verse 46 and 47, then Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel. That is not something the most powerful man in the world does with a, in front of a prisoner of war, do you think? And commanded that they, should be pre- that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets since you could reveal this secret. And so Daniel and his friends were promoted. No doubt the Babylonian people that were working for him. Remember we said about Nebuchadnezzar, if you have dream interpreters on staff, you're very rich. And they were not very happy that these people from this land of a hundred, you know, hundreds of miles away were promoted over them. In chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, though, was still holding on to his own life. Let me stop right there and ask you this soul-searching question. Christian or not, are you still holding on to your old life? Is there something you just will not give over to God? And do you find yourself fighting against God? Take it from a man who 33 years ago had this happen in business, everything was going well, that if God wants to, he can do to you what he did to me and squash me like the cockroach that I was. And so don't try to fight God because you will never win. Some of you, I just saved you years, years. You will not win. But Nebuchadnezzar is still fighting him, so what does he do? He erects a statue, an idol. An idol is what? Something or anything that we love more than God. And the worst idol of all to squash out in our lives is what? The idol of ourselves. And so King Nebuchadnezzar decrees that you bow down and worship this idol. Remember, the dream was that he was the head of the golden, of this statue. He was the golden head. And so he makes a whole statue. He says, no, 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 forget that dream. I'm going to overcome that dream. I'm going to beat God at what he says. And he gave them an option. You can bow down to the, to the idol and worship it, or you can be cast into the fiery furnace. That'll really weed out the true believers from the untrue believers. But Daniel and his three friends, what did they say? No, we're not, we're not doing it. So Nebuchadnezzar throws them into the fire. Jesus shows up and saves them. And Nebuchadnezzar is very impressed. You would be too, wouldn't you? But not quite enough. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 28 and 29. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own. Therefore, I make a decree. Now, he just made a decree you have to worship them. Now he says, I'm going to make a decree about their God. That any people, nation, or language which speaks against anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, let's just stop right there. You're thinking, man, this guy has really turned the corner. It's come a long way. He cancels his pagan decree. Look what he says, though. If you you speak anything against their God, 
you shall be cut in pieces. He still has some rough edges, you know what I mean? Sometimes people come to Christ and there's a few rough edges. And, and their houses shall be made an ash heap because there's no other God who can deliver like this. This is always the funniest thing to me when, when people come to faith and then like four or five years later, they bring their friend to church and their friend comes to faith and they're like, Pastor Jim, I need to meet with you about my friend. He's still kind of rough around the edges and he's got all these really weird beliefs. And I'm just sort of smiling and they're like, was I like that when I came to Christ? And I'm like, no, you aren't. Oh, good, good. I'd be like, you were way worse. It's <laughs> how we all are. God's got to change us. We have a lot of things to learn. We think we know a lot about him. I always tell everybody, I know a lot less about God than I used to. And I am a, a, a rabid studier about this stuff. You say, how could you know less? Well, because before I knew this much, thinking I had to know this much. Now I know this much, knowing I got to go well, into the next town. <laughs> the subject is God. It's immense. There's a lot to know. But chapter 4 is what breaks Nebuchadnezzar. And as we go to verse 1, this is the important thing that we have to understand. You may want to write this in the side of your Bible, that verses 1 to 3 are written after everything has happened. In other words, this is sort of him thinking back on everything that happened. In fact, it appears that Nebuchadnezzar himself wrote the Bible or that Daniel is actually helping him tell his story. In fact, the language is so biblical that you can tell he's been talking to, to Daniel all along. And it's actually the personal testimony of Nebuchadnezzar of God's work of change in the life of this brutal man. And it follows, as we'll see in the weeks to come, seven years of illness. It's probably about 30 years after Daniel has been taken captive. And it's probably about 30 years he has been praying for Nebuchadnezzar. Let me ask you, is there anybody you've been praying a long time for? Is there anybody that you have been thinking, oh, I, I can't, God's not going to do it. I bet you if you, went to Nebuchadnezzar, if you went to Daniel and you said, you know, man, you've been praying for Nebuchadnezzar for 30 years and he finally came around, Daniel wouldn't go, I know, man, it was so hard. Daniel would go, praise the Lord, isn't God good? Tomorrow, my wife and I are going to see a man that we have been praying about 25 years for. A long ride, it's going to be a hard visit. But we won't give up. I have plenty of people in my life I won't give up on. You know why? Because people didn't give up on me. And God didn't give up on me. Many of you know the story. I got an email from a guy one time, a pastor out on Long Island, who heard me on the radio and asked me if I was a, identified my brother and sister's name. And 10 years before I was a Christian, they were out at the end of my driveway praying that I would become a Christian. Don't give up on people. Jesus doesn't give up on you, does he? We have no right to give up on people. So what he does is, Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel get together. They put the conclusion at the introduction of the story, and then the rest of the chapter is sort of a flashback. 
We could say that, that in chapter two, God reveals. In chapter three, God rescues. And in chapter four, it will be clear to all of us that God rules. That's the theme, but there's a couple mini type themes because in chapter four, we also see one man's journey from pride to humility. A journey that every single one of us has to take if we want to go to heaven. And this is the hard journey for us to take, to drop our pride and to be willing to give our hearts and our lives and our trust to Jesus Christ. It's a journey that many of us in this room have taken. It's a journey many of you watching online have taken. It's, it's a journey that someone is praying for you if you haven't taken it, that you will take it as God works in your life. And let me tell you, there is no doubt he will work in your life. The question is, do you want him to work in your life? I've said it to you before, the girl that brought me to church who had walked away from the church said the reason that she'd went out with me because she knew of all the guys she knew, I was the least likely to come to faith. That's what she told me. You never know. So if you're taking notes after that very long introduction, three conclusions we see as the kingdom of self is defeated by the kingdom of God. As the kingdom of God invades and disrupts a life. Number one, the kingdom of God offers peace to all people. The kingdom of God offers peace to all people. Verse one, Nebuchadnezzar, remember he's writing after the fact, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, this is what he's, he's writing to all the people. This is what he's actually sending this letter out. To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth. Let me stop there for one second. This is the kind of stuff that puts a lump in my throat. This reminds me of the book of Revelation. When all these different people from all these different tribes and tongues and countries and, and stuff like that is all gathered around and we are singing, worthy is the lamb. The first church that I went to that these people brought me to was in New York City, which is, you know, had people of all different nationalities and all different skin colors. And, and, and just, you know, you'd see, you'd see a person who looked homeless sitting next to some guy in a, you know, in a $3,000 suit and wearing a Rolex watch and stuff like that. I remember walking in there thinking, I, what do these people have in common? And then they told me what they did have in common this king that they had in common. And so I have this picture in my mind of, of, of being in heaven. And the only real picture I have is, is, I want, is I want Pam standing next to me. But I hope that everybody else around me is completely different than me. And they're singing in a different language. And I understand everything that they're saying as we're praising God together. One of my friends went to Haiti after the earthquake they had there many years ago and the mission that was out there opened up the, for a church service to the town people and all the town people came out and they were worshiping God. They had a worship service. There was music and there was a sermon. 
And I asked my friend about it when he got back. He kind of a tough guy, army guy, and I'm a real emotional guy. And he got kind of emotional. And he said, it was the most beautiful sermon, the most beautiful service I was ever at in my life. They lost everything, these people, man. They lost everything. And they were worshiping God. And they were raising their hands and they had great joy and they were all excited during the sermon. And I said, did you understand it? He said, not a word. But man, to see what God was doing in their lives was so amazing. I I don't know about you, man, but I look forward to that day. All of this, this stuff about people being different and different color skin and different languages and, 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 the, and the racism and the way people look at each other. Quite, can I be honest with you? It absolutely disgusts me. It disgusts me. It disgusts me before I was even a Christian, but now it really disgusts me that it exists among God's people. They say that Sunday morning, the most segregated place on the planet is church. That is gross. That is disgusting. It should never be that way. So he says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all the people, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Uh, Some versions say, may you prosper greatly. May your prosperity increase. In the ancient world, prosperity was not just money. That's the way we talk about it. It was the overall well-being of people. He's saying, I want the overall well-being for all people. Does that sound like a guy who is rolling over nations? Now, it might seem like he's bragging here, but he's not. He is the most powerful man in the known world. And in some ways here, he is acting like a missionary, bringing the gospel of peace to the world. And here, this brutal man has the humility to say, this is the real decree. This is the message. This is the life I should have been living all along. In effect, he is saying, I have good news to share with all of you. Good news of another king. A king who is kind. A king who is generous. A king who is loving. A king who is caring king who is merciful and full of forgiveness. It's like he's saying, I was your king, but I was not a father to you. And I want to tell you about a king who is a true father, a true loving father. Loved ones, this is how God has chosen to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the world People telling other people about the king. People telling other people about Jesus. As we often say, we're just beggars telling people where the bread can be found. Now you might say, well, I don't have that kind of influence. I don't have that kind of platform. But how did it start in Nebuchadnezzar's life? Four teenagers. Four teenagers talking to the most powerful man in the world. And as many of you know, when I was 28 years old, working on a job site as a very, very high-paid consultant, 
It was a 17-year-old kid working for minimum wage who had a different color skin than me who told me about Jesus Christ. And I may have heard it a thousand times in my life before, but it was the first time I ever heard it. The power, friends, is not in you. The power is in the gospel. The power is in the message. And it's important that God puts no limits on the people he can reach. Only we do that. And I want to repeat that again like I did to the last service because it's so important we get it. The power is not in you. The power is not in me. The power is in the crucified king, crucified for our sins in our place on a cross so that all who would put their trust in him would never have to pay for their sins because your bill is marked already paid. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.